Welcome to Pediagogy. I'm Tammy. And I'm Lydia. And we're UC Davis Children's Hospital trained pediatricians in Sacramento. This podcast reviews common conditions in children to enhance our knowledge and the knowledge of other residents, medical students, and any other interested learners. With that, let's delve right into this episode. Okay, we're starting off with a 14-year-old girl who's admitted for tonsillitis in the setting of a recent peritonsillar abscess last month. This was treated with only antibiotics and was not drained because the patient wasn't able to tolerate a bedside incision and drainage of the abscess. ENT has already seen this patient again, this admission, and thinks the patient is safe to discharge home on another course of oral antibiotics. When you talk to the patient and family about this plan, however, they express concerns that the patient um, has significant pain and they're worried that the abscess is still there. The bedside nurse also reports concerns about the patient having limited oral intake due to the pain. You do some shared decision-making and you obtain a head and neck CT, which shows a persistent abscess, and ENT agrees to drain this ultimately with the patient under anesthesia. So as you can tell by the title and the case, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about what family-centered rounding is, why it's important, and how you can become an expert at it. This is an especially important topic in pediatrics. Um, I think the case really exemplifies the importance of including patients, family members, and other medical team members in clinical decision-making. Yeah, and I think today's episode is actually going to be super useful because family-centered round trips everyone who's new to it up. Yeah, I don't blame them. It's definitely a different way of presenting the data and presenting is already kind of nerve-wracking thing to start with when you're first learning. I think the key is that you really want to avoid medical jargon and acronyms that we use all the time, like PCP. So instead you should say like pediatrician or primary doctor or abdominal pain. Instead you can say belly pain or tummy pain. Yeah, Um, those are good pointers. So what exactly do we mean when we say family-centered rounds? That's when the patient, their family members, and the medical team, which includes nursing and other ancillary staff, come together and discuss the patient's daily plans and integrate the patient and family's preferences into clinical decision. In 2012, the AAP and Institute for Patient and Family-Centered Care recommended family-centered care as a standard practice. And for quite a few years now, UC Davis's pediatric floor service has been employing family-centered rounding, as have many other pediatric hospitals. In fact, when we were first interviewing for residency, way back when, I remember that this was something I asked all programs if they had implemented or not. While there have been many studies on family-centered rounding, it's hard to compare them to traditional rounds as most studies have differences in their style of rounding and there's kind of a lack of standardized research methods to assess clinical effectiveness outcomes. Nonetheless, if you look at individual studies, there appear to be improved patient and medical team satisfaction. So for example, there's a 2018 systematic review that was published in the AAP of Pediatrics that found that families wanted to be included in rounds and felt better informed and more confident in the medical team with family-centered rounds. Since family-centered rounding is not yet the standard everywhere, before rounding for the first time with the patient, you should give them a brochure if that's available at your hospital or explain what family-centered rounding entails to prepare the patient and their family. Ideally, this happens when the family is first admitted or early in the morning when team members are pre-rounding and seeing patients on their own. 
This is also a good time where you can ask the patient and family if they're okay with a large team coming in to round because it can be very intimidating. And if not, you can just do a traditional rounding style and round outside of the patient's room. Team members should be assigned roles before rounding as well, including who's presenting and who will lead the conversation, which ideally is the primary intern caring for the patient, who's writing on the board, generally a medical student, and someone with a computer or iPad to put in orders, which is usually another resident. When it comes time to round, a few minutes before seeing a patient, the bedside nurse and any other relevant medical team members, such as the dietitian, the respiratory therapist, or the pharmacist, should be notified to join rounds. And if they can't make it, you should make sure to update them afterwards. Yeah, making sure that the, all the team members are on the same page is really important to limiting the number of pages and questions later on in the day. Yeah. So if there are any questions amongst the team or sensitive issues that need to be discussed before going into a patient room, a pre-round huddle can be done. I personally also like my presenter to give me a one-liner with what the patient is here for and their disposition, meaning discharge or not. That also tells me um, my, if my presenter is going to go off the deep end when we walk into the room. So now that we've done all this prep work, we're finally going to go into the patient room and start with the rounding presentation. But before you jump right into the presentation, it's helpful for the presenter to introduce all the team members and position themselves closest to the patient and the family member in order to maintain eye contact and to speak to the patient and the family rather than to the team. You want to be at the same eye level as the person ideally when you're talking to them. So that means squatting or sitting or whatever, then just do that. Um, and the senior resident usually stands kind of next to the presenter as a backup if there's any issues arise. And generally, the attending kind of sits in the back to allow the rest of the team to lead. Finally, we're ready for the presentation. So you still want to make sure that you're giving all the information in the same order that you would do in a traditional presentation, but really just in a more patient-friendly or what we call living room language. That means, and in this order, you would go through the last 24-hour events, which include any nursing events. You would go through vitals, the intake and output, the exam, labs and imaging, if there's any, and then your assessment with the plan. Easy, right? Yeah, easier said than done, I suppose. Um, generally, I like to ask the patient or the parents if they have any updates since we last spoke, which is usually in the morning when we pre-round. Um, then I'll ask the nurse or any other medical team members if they have any concerns uh, before we start. And then I fill in any other important information that has happened. And that's sort of like my subjective portion of the presentation. Perfect. Now we're going to go into the objective, which is our vitals and our exam and the labs and the imaging. So remember living room language. So what I like to say is we looked at your temperature, how fast your heart is beating, how fast you're breathing, and all of that was normal, unless it wasn't. <laughs> For intake and output, I generally say you're eating enough and you're peeing and pooping fine if everything is normal. But if someone is admitted for dehydration or diarrhea, it's generally a good idea to actually say the numbers or compare the amount from the previous day, like your total pooping amount was less than yesterday. Then for my exam, I only say the pertinent things. So if a kid is here for asthma, I would say your lungs sounded clear, I didn't hear any wheezing, and I didn't see any signs that you were working hard to breathe. Again, all assuming this is normal. <laughs> For labs and imaging, I generally will keep it short and simple unless the parents have asked for a specific value or they demonstrate that they do want more interest in it, knowing the exact numbers. So I might say all your electrolytes were normal, except your potassium is a little bit high at 5.5, or the chest x-ray in your chest didn't show any pneumonia or infection in your lungs. 
It's helpful if you include specific data to do a brief interpretation of what that means or the trend. For example, you might say your creatinine was elevated at two, but that's improved from four yesterday. We'll talk about what that means later. And finally, we're at the important assessment and plan. So it's the same as a traditional assessment and plan. You kind of want to say what the patient's here for, what their current status is today, and how do we plan to treat um, their active problems, and when you expect them to be discharged, and what the patient or the family can do to help. Yeah, so for example, Lydia comes in for an asthma exacerbation, and we think this was triggered by a viral infection. She's overall doing better. We are treating her with albuterol and an oral steroid medication to help her breathing. We will continue to decrease how often she can get the albuterol as she continues to get better. The oral steroids will be for five days, and we expect that she can go home tomorrow if she continues to do well. She should follow up with her pediatrician in one to two days after we discharge her. So mom, dad, if you can help us by making that appointment today, that would be great. Nice. So obviously this is a very simple, straightforward example, but if there's multiple problems that you're addressing for a patient, then you essentially do the same thing and just say for her other problem of slightly high potassium, that's likely because of the albuterol we're giving her and we can just recheck the lab tomorrow to make sure it's going down. So what if it's a new patient and you're still trying to figure out what the problem is? Then you can literally just say that. Say you were admitted because you had these constellation of symptoms X, Y, and Z. We don't really know what's causing them yet. The things that we're considering are infection, autoimmune disease, probably less likely cancer. We're doing testing to just figure out what's going on. Yeah. And now that you've finished your presentation, yay, you <laughs> should ask if the patient or family have any questions and you can answer them if you can. If not, like it's something a consulting specialist is driving or they would know the answer to, then you let the family know that you'll look into the answer and you'll get back to them after rounds. Finally, the last part of family-centered rounds is what's called teach back. So this is to ensure that the patient and family are on the same page as the team and allows you to gauge their understanding. This sometimes feels a little bit like a test for patients and their families. So a good way to word it is, I know that was a lot, but what were your main sort of takeaways for the plan today? Yeah, I was previously taught to say, to make sure I explained it clearly, can you tell me your understanding of the plan? But I learned that that can put a lot of pressure on the patient and family. So it's actually probably better to do what Lydia said. Other things that should be going on in the background during this rounding process is having a designated writer updating either a whiteboard or a paper handout with the plan for the day so the family can look back at it after rounds. The non-presenting resident can also help by putting in any other orders or updating sign-outs or handoffs. Also, remember that you totally don't need to memorize your entire presentation. Notes are very okay, and it's helpful, actually, if the parents bring something up that you need to look up, then you actually have a place to write it down so you don't forget. For efficiency, I've actually seen a lot of residents use an iPad so that they can um, have their electronic note pulled up already, and they can just go off of that. Let's talk about troubleshooting. Um, what if a patient isn't at the bedside? Well, if the patient's not at the bedside, then usually I guess I would call the nurse to bring the patient back or find out where they are and make sure they haven't eloped. But if the parent's not at the bedside, then you can ask the patient, and you do have your patient, <laughs> then you can ask the patient to call them, have the parent on speaker, or you can just call the parent after rounds to update them. And knowing though, that if the parent has questions, concerns about the plan, that this might change your plan. 
How do you incorporate teaching into family-centered rounds? So if there's an interesting exam, like a heart murmur, I ask the patient or family if it's okay to have other learners also come by and examine the patient. You can also do conversational teaching at the bedside, but I personally just like to save that for outside of the room. Like for asthma kit, you could do a quick Q&A with the team about the treatments for asthma exacerbation and their mechanism of action. Yeah, I agree. I think depending on the family, you can kind of finagle teaching within the room. So I've seen some attendings doing that after the formal presentation and saying something like, is it okay if I do some quick teaching with the team about your condition? But sometimes I can feel a little bit awkward for the families and you. So often I'll just kind of do it outside the room afterwards. I found that it's helpful to try to plan your teaching point in advance, either the night before or kind of in the morning before rounds. So you kind of work it into the rounding schedule. Okay, last question. What do you do with families who aren't comfortable with English? By law, you're required to have qualified interpreters for all patients. And at UC Davis, we're super lucky that we have in-person interpreters, we have video interpreters, and we have phone interpreters to choose from. Having an interpreter makes it super important to use living room language, since not all languages have a direct translation from medical terms. And so explaining things simply, clearly, but still including all the important important information is super key. Okay, so we covered a lot, but to summarize, family-centered rounding focuses on including the patient, the family, and all the team members rather than kind of the traditional medical team-driven style. Um, Try to avoid medical jargon while still presenting all the important information like a traditional presentation. This is going to take some practice and everyone has a little bit of a different style. So try to listen to other people's presentations and just find what works for you. That's all for this episode. You can find additional information in the podcast description and our social media resources. Please rate and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter at PediagogyPod. That's P-E-D-I-A-G-O-G-Y-P-O-D. Special thanks to Orlando Magana at OM Audio Productions for music composition and Dr. Su Ting Lee and Dr. Lena Vanderlis for mentorship.